Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're back to talk Chiefs today, and as been the case too often in the last month and a half or so, we're talking about the Chiefs coming off a loss. Kansas City fell to the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field on Sunday, and both sides of the ball pitched in for this one. We usually haven't folded the defense into this type of conversation this season, but here we are. The Packers had an excellent game plan of slowing down the action and cashing in, scoring on five of seven possessions. The Chiefs didn't have enough answers. So we try to provide them, or at least explore the issues more deeply, with beat writer Jesse Newell and columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell. Okay, let's get started. The gang's all here. Of course, we've been all here for the last four days, so... Planes, trains, automobiles, press boxes, but Sam McDowell, Jesse Newell, Vahe Gregorian, we're all here to talk Chiefs with you, and we'll start with the aftermath of the Packers' loss, and then spend some time talking about Buffalo game coming up, which is becoming increasingly important for the Chiefs and playoff position. So, but let's look back to the Sunday night game. I want to make the case that. We sp- we're going to spend time talking about the the, the, the final drive, the final series, calls that weren't, were and weren't made, the whole second half, really, because of the interception. But I, I want to make a point that I think the game was lost in the first two series for the Chiefs. When the Packers went 75 yards on their first two possessions and got touchdowns, and the Chiefs went 70 and 69 yards on their first two possessions and got field goals, Chiefs lose by eight. That's a difference of eight points right there. It was 13 to 13 the rest of the game. But that that th- those first two drives for the Chiefs seemed to they, they got everything they wanted offensively until they got to the until they got to the red zone. And then, you know, sacks, a holding call, holding penalty, just all kinds of problems. Um, anybody with me on this that um that the Chiefs we're on the road to ruin in the first uh, in the first quarter, first quarter and a half. Well, it changed the complexion of the game, didn't it? I mean, it and it was also a weird first half too, Blair. I, I don't know if you're including this in the point you're making, but I don't really remember ever seeing a first half that basically was two possessions apiece. I mean, the Packers got that third possession, but that is so much clock to to take up, so few possessions, and it accentuates how you have to maximize those possessions and of course it it further illuminates that they've had so many of these ups and downs in the red zone and look they've moved the ball very effectively all season and yet whatever what are they now 16th or so in scoring somewhere in there and they still i think move with top 10 yards certainly top 10 yards per play so it it it's no longer something you can call a hiccup. I mean, it's a it's a full on glitch. Does, does it contribute to the idea that this is this is who they are? This this is their offense. Um, if you get a, a couple of touchdowns, two or three touchdowns, a couple of Harrison Butker field goals, you score on five of your nine possessions or four of your nine possessions. This is even though it was it wasn't that many actually on on Sunday against the Packers. This is who the Chiefs are. They're going to get. Average to below average play at wide receiver. Isaiah Pacheco is going to run hard, and um, but this is just not an offense capable of being a, a thirty point a game offense that we're 
we're used to seeing. Yeah, I mean, I actually thought that the offense played much better on Sunday than it had, at least for three quarters. I mean, their first four drives all got inside the 16-yard line. Um, so I just thought they were consistently better than what we'd seen from them in the past. They just completely threw away the fourth quarter. I mean, the fourth quarter was a disaster. The first three quarters, the point total product is a is just a byproduct of not having the ball all that frequently. I mean, the Packers held the ball for a really long time. And I don't think that contributes to the Chiefs losing the game because the possessions are equal. I do think it contributes to the total statistics and point totals that the Chiefs had, though. Um, but I actually was pretty impressed with the offense for, like I said, the first four drives were as consistent as we've seen them um, in back-to-back games. You know, we saw them really good against Las Vegas. And then their first four drives get inside the 16. I totally agree with you guys. Like the red zone thing is a thing they got to figure out. Um, but we're at the place where I think it's been long enough for this offense that has struggled to where you're looking for consistency. And it was as consistent, at least for three quarters, as it has been. And I I know we'll get to the fourth quarter, but it just all fell apart those last three drives of the game. I think I'll put a bow around both your points, Blair, which is I think the defense had its worst day by far. And that's something we're not talking about as much because 27 points doesn't look that bad, but 27 points when you only have seven possessions to defend is actually really bad. And especially when you allow the first two drives to go all the way down the field for touchdowns and put the offense in a hole. But I think I have a pretty good excuse for them, which is that, you know, I wrote last week about how big Drew Tranquil has been for them. When Nick Bolton went down and Mike Kleinback, we've seen that in the past with these Chiefs where uh, they didn't have a very good option to go to. And Drew Tranquil has been that option. Very early in the game, he gets kneed in the head and is out for the game and takes even a little bit of an emotional toll because he's kind of laying face down on the turf for a while. So even took a little bit while, a little while for his teammates to kind of get back up again. But Jack Cochran played fine. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, a lot of times you don't practice. I hear uh, your compadre, Soren Petro, talk about this all the time on 810, Sam. You don't practice screwed, right? Um, you don't practice with Jack Cochran in there, given the signals, because if you're down to your third string, Mike linebacker, you're probably going to be in some trouble. And I think the Chiefs were in some trouble because of that. And, you know, I was looking at these, you know, Sam and I always reference the advanced stats, the DVOA. This week, the Chiefs are fourth for the season in offense and ninth in defense. And I think that's a reflection of the defensive performance was so bad this past game on such limited possessions that uh, the Chiefs didn't really have much of a chance other than the offense saving them. And as we know, in the end, as Sam said, with the fourth quarter, there just wasn't enough in the tank to do that. Just one real quick note, Blair. I mean, the the Chiefs' best yards per play offensively came last week against Las Vegas. Their second best yards per play came Sunday in Green Bay. I'm I'm really surprised to hear that. That, that that's that's a heck of a stat. Um, so another stat that I came across was going into the Green Bay game, the Chiefs were uh, tied for second in the NFL in uh, the fewest. Points scored on drives by the defense uh, percentage on a percentage basis. Opponents were scoring at 28.5% of their drives uh, against the Chiefs. I think the Browns are better. Only the Browns are better. And Green Bay scored on five of seven possessions. Um, that's uh, you, that's right. It being a low possession game. But but it, I, I, I blame the defense for not being able to get the Packers off the field on these long time consuming possessions. Andy Reid made a point of it after the game, or maybe it was on Monday during his 
uh, meeting with reporters that the Packers were doing a great job of snapping the ball with four, three seconds on the on, on the clock. And I, I thought LaFleur is a really good coach. And I, I thought that was a, a great game plan. You're, you know, picking up first downs and then letting the clock bleed. What did we the Butker field goal to make it a seven to three game was like on the final play of the first quarter, wasn't it? And that was the end. Packers had one possession and the Chiefs had one possession in the first quarter. So it just it it didn't it it shouldn't have been a Butker field goal. <laughs> you know, they needed they needed to match the touchdowns early on. So well, that was uh, two sacks and three plays there, right? And um Jesse and Sam, I think, might have a better recollection of the dynamics of the sacks, but you know. Bottom line, you, you can't do that um, once you get down there. And yeah, and, and then, you know, they had that other sack that was in the red zone on the next position, along with the, the Creed Humphrey penalty, which you guys got a better look at than I did. I guess I thought that it was a good call, but I think as we spoke about in one of our, our interminable car rides uh, over these last couple of days, um, I think you guys got a better view of it. But nonetheless, I mean, it, it, it gets racked up on, on uh on breaking down a drive just to, to clarify Blair because you said you were surprised so I think I, I must have just said that statistic wrong out loud um the 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 Chiefs I think maybe I, I just skipped over the word allowed their, their worst two defensive allowed oh. yards play are the Raiders and Green Bay um so I was, I was trying to hit home on on Jesse looking towards the defense on that the fact that you know, a lot of us have looked at the offense for a long time now because the defense has been so good. And the last two weeks, Green Bay, like Jesse mentioned, they only give up 27 points. Um, they only gave up 17 against the Raiders, but it was their worst yards per play of the season. And Sunday was their second worst. Like I said, I think I may have said that wrong since you said you're surprised by that, because I, I don't think you would be surprised by by that stat. No, but you wouldn't be surprised uh, that I probably misinterpreted it too. So that's, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure the error was on my end. Um, well, it, just in the spirit of uh, uh, camaraderie, I, I had the same thought. I, I actually thought you might have been referring to the offense, Sam. It, that's, that's, yeah, I think I do yeah. think I said it backwards, but defensively, they've been, their worst two weeks have come. And, and look, I mean, it's, it's, it's a topic we should talk about because, how often, um, especially when Steve Spagnuolo arrived in 2019, we were told before he, you know, as the Chiefs were struggling midway through that 2019 season, just wait. Steve Spagnuolo defenses are complicated. They get better late in the season. And this is the first time that we really haven't seen that trend. Now, it's only back-to-back -back weeks, but this is like right up, like late November is the time that that 2019 defense turned it around. They went on, what, like 11 straight games where, where they played pretty well. Um, and I think a lot of it is, I mean, it's, it's not just tranquil, but he's the best example of this, which is the off season as, as everybody clamored for wide receiver help, the chiefs went out and added depth to the defense and drew tranquil, not being available. And, and look, Andy Reid said yesterday, something that they, they hope that's not long, but it was more like wishful thinking. I thought as much as like, just saying this is that it's going to be a short absence. Um, but that, that's a hit to that. Uh, Brian Cook's a starter, but their depth there is, is Mike Edwards. So they're better suited for that absence. But, you know, those guys have been sharing the field a lot this year. So I, to me, it's the backbone of this defense as much as it's Chris Jones and Trent McDuffie. It's just the depth that they've had. And that looks a lot different. And you wonder if this trend of Steve Spagnuolo defense is getting better late in the season 
it, it's not going to follow the, the, the same path this year. Can I zoom out even more, Sam? Because um, <laughs> the last two weeks we talked about the defense not being as good. You know what I saw? I saw two really good levels of quarterback play against the Chiefs. And if we're just going to go like com- – Vahe mentioned the sacks. Vahe, Patrick Mahomes has been amazing, the best quarterback in the NFL at avoiding sacks, avoiding those negative plays. This is what it looks like when you have an average-ish quarterback who doesn't avoid those plays and takes them at the inopportune times. What do we see from Jordan Love? He avoided a lot of sacks this game. And, you know, look at these advanced numbers. It's just not Mahomes-like. And I'm not going to pin this all on him. We know that there's problem at tackle for the Chiefs. We know there's problem with the communication with the receivers, all those things. But, like, um, we're, we, we, we have seen, we expect Patrick Mahomes at the end of games to be, like, 10 expected points added, 15 expected points added, 20 expected points added. They always had an advantage because they had Patrick Mahomes. This game gets the Packers. Jordan loves it. Jordan Love is at 15.7. Patrick Mahomes is at 4.2. I mean, th- this is this is not what the Chiefs are used to because this is the one great advantage they've always had. And the last two weeks, uh, the defense, which you don't always control this, but Jordan Love made a couple of crazy A throws, you know, down in the red zone, and you get touchdowns off of that. And so this does feel different because I think you guys have mentioned this with like the fourth quarter comebacks that, that Mahomes uh, has not really had one this year. And, and this is the invincibility the Chiefs always seem to have, which is you felt like their offense and you felt like Patrick Mahomes was the best unit on the field. So down the stretch, they had this sort of invincibility to them. It's hard to feel that right now with the Chiefs. And again, whether it's the pieces, whether it's the coaching, whether it's the play calls, whether it's just Patrick himself. Um, they're not getting that type of production. And I think that's why this feels a little bit wonky compared to other years. And again, the last two weeks have kind of crystallized that. Good quarterback play will beat good defenses. We've seen that the last two weeks uh, for the Chiefs, especially in the first half against the Raiders and the whole game against the Green Bay. But I think it also crystallizes a little bit what the Chiefs are missing right now, which is they're not always getting that elite quarterback play that all of us are so used to. Something else they're missing is, and this speaks directly to the defense, is takeaways. They, they don't get takeaways. It, it's been a good defense all year, and you, you said they're, they're still ninth in DVOA, Sam, so they're obviously considered you know, a top-10 defense in some measures. But this is a you – know, we, we watched the, the Mahomes interception, and we'll get to that uh, a little bit later, um, change the, the feel of that game. Uh, the Chiefs don't make those types of plays on defense. They don't, you know, they don't force a fumble. They don't get a – you know, an acrobatic, uh, athletic interception in, in return. I, I don't, I can't. I, they certainly didn't have one Sunday, and I can't remember if they had one against the Raiders. Am I missing something obvious here? As I tend to do, um, uh, a, a big uh, swing. You know, the, the the Raiders game swung tremendously, right? It was they go from fourteen down to fourteen up, but I just don't remember a turnover being involved in that. Uh, just the fourth down turnover on downs that they yeah, had on downs, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah, but but t- takeaways to me are especially at home, uh, big momentum plays, and um, again, as good as this chief defense is, they they don't have the ball hawkers, you know, in the secondary, and um, and they're just not getting the the hard hit to to, to cause the fumble on, and, and uh, um, that that this defense seems to be missing that as well. So, um, it's it. All right, let, let's let's switch over and talk about the fourth quarter a little bit and the in the last drive and um, uh, maybe before we get to that, let's. I, I brought up the interception, Jesse. I know you and uh, 
you broke it down. It was a, a great breakdown of the play. And you reached a different conclusion. You and Brett reached a different conclusion than I think what we decided in the press box and maybe in the immediate aftermath uh, of the game. Just we'll, we'll post the uh, the details on the uh, on the on the, the the podcast story. But just give us a quick synopsis on what you guys discovered and concluded. Yeah, uh, Brett Tabo. Uh, he's a former offensive coordinator in high school does great work and uh we break down a, a play every week and i know there's been a lot of talk about sky Moore not running through his route and kind of slowing up a little bit if you go back and watch it though um the way that green bay defends this and rashawn nixon how he specifically said he knew afterwards knew the play call knew what the chiefs were going to go to the way he defends it it sure seems like that sky Moore read the coverage and tried to get to a back shoulder throw we even heard from mahomes after the game saying he should have thrown back shoulder and he also um you know, he didn't read the play correctly, basically. So he took all the blame on that play when there's other times where we've heard Mahomes kind of say, hey, we got to get on the same page where it was pretty obvious it wasn't his fault. So anyway, the, the long story short of this, and uh, again, encourage people to go check the whole thing out. But the reason Sky Moore didn't run through the route is potentially because he saw a guy downfield and uh, his man, if he's downfield, if you're running into him, you're running yourself, you know, covered. And so, so many times Chief fans have wanted receivers to, reads things the same way as Patrick Holmes and and make post-snap reads. And it sure seems, after going back to the film, that's, that's what Sky Moore did on this particular play. And it said Patrick Holmes didn't see this thing the, the same way he did. So a little bit unfortunate. It's kind of like, uh, I remember Vahe, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. It's sort of like the one time maybe your receiver did the right thing and, and saw things the way Patrick Holmes usually sees things. Patrick, Patrick doesn't see it that way and you throw the interception. But it goes back to my original point, which is if something didn't formulate correctly. We know Patrick did this late in the game, but if something didn't look right on that play, you know, you're free to chuck that thing out of bounds. Or if you're Patrick Mahomes, you scramble out. It's an RPO, so he can't hold the ball, but you can go run and get a couple yards or slide or whatever. And and that hurts. That was the biggest play of the game uh, for win probability and expected points added. Minus four points for the Chiefs. And so that's kind of what we're talking about. That, that Those sorts of plays we haven't seen in past years, and, and that's the sort of thing that's popping up more for the Chiefs this year than any other I can remember under Patrick Mahomes. And you might have said this directly there, Jesse, but I, that was a first down play too, right? I mean, First, that, first and 10 ahead. from the – yeah, first and 10 from the 49, yes. I think they had just gotten a penalty, uh, benefited from a penalty that gave them the first down and looked like they – you know, this was a, a, a momentum moment for for the Chiefs, and um, and and then the the interception happens. How about the other throw, the one to MVS down the seam? What Sam? What did you see on that? And what? what, what how did how does this add to the the MVS narrative? Yeah, I mean, I I think I I told Marquez after the game, hey, it looked like you ran a seam route, and that. Mahomes threw the ball towards the sideline because that's where the safety was not. And I then I said, what what do you see on it? He said, exactly what you just said. Um, simple as that. Um, and but I there's always some reason why Patrick Mahomes and Marquez Valdez Scantling do not connect on downfield passing. And look, I mean, the last play is because the referee misses a call. Um, but the Chiefs had ample opportunity to win the game without it. And I actually credit Patrick Mahomes for focusing on those moments um, because the Chiefs had things within their control. That was one of them. The interceptions, the other one. And, 
you know, the one thing I'd add on to what Jesse had said is, you know, talking to Sky Moore and, and Patrick Mahomes after the game, like Patrick Mahomes went to that play because he noticed that Green Bay was in man defense. Like that was the play he determined was going to beat the exact coverage they saw. I'm not positive I I, I fully buy um, the cornerback just knowing exactly what play is coming based on Mahomes checking out as much as he knows that he's checking out of something and therefore it's going to be a man-to-man uh, beater. And when you've got those, a lot of times those pick plays or rub routes are involved and that's why he stays back rather than coming forward um, to allow that play. But that that's a Patrick Mahomes mistake. Uh, the first one is a the all-too-familiar wide receiver misconnection. And, you know, I mentioned earlier at the top, their first four drives go really well. And those are the ends of two promising drives. And then you've got the, the DPI at the end. Like, those are their three fourth quarter drives. But the first two are completely within their grasp. And, by the way, both of them are to take the lead and games, which also follows this other trend of the Chiefs in four different games have been trailing in the fourth quarter with possessions to take the lead. Three of them, they've had the final drive to get back in the game or, or potentially take the lead, and they failed every time. And if that's not the staple of the Patrick Mahomes era, I mean, I, I think how, how often do the four of us sit in the press box in the past and think, you better not give it to this guy with too much time on the clock. And that now has been a narrative that hasn't tracked in 2023. Here's here's the reason I believe Nixon, Sam. I don't know if you saw the postgame video of him. He was just asked simply about the play, and he said he saw Patrick Holmes go to his knee when he went to that man call, and he said that is something that came up on our mannerism tape. So evidently the Packers have some sort of mannerism tape out there that they watch uh, to try to scout the Chiefs beforehand. And so, uh, anyway, it's, it's it's fascinating if that's what happens. And if, however, it's so interesting because, like, Michigan goes through all of this scandal with the sign ceiling, and it's obvious here that, that something happened where he knew what was going on. I think the reason I believe in more, too, is if you're playing man-to-man and you know you're on an island, if if Sky Moore runs a flat route there, if he just goes takes off toward the sideline and that defender plays it the same way, that's 20 yards for the Chiefs on, like, the easiest pitch and catch of the game. So, it sure good looks like to me, going back to the video, him playing that the one over the top and going around with She Rice, he had to know something was up because otherwise he's letting a flat route beat him for 25 yards. And that would be something at game point, basically, that uh, would seem pretty unacceptable at the time. So it seemed like he knew something was still cooking, but that's the dangerous part of the Chiefs offense when it's working is the back shoulder throw was still there. And that's what Sky Moore read. And if Patrick Mahomes had read it, the Chiefs still get 9, 10, 11 yards on that play, even with the defender knowing what was coming. It's just they're not at that point this year for whatever reason. You know, the interesting uh, thing about this is two years ago against the Packers, Legereus Sneed read uh, Love signal before the pass and intercepted it and in the fourth quarter. I don't know if you guys remember that play at Arrowhead. And he said that, uh, on film, it popped up uh, what Jordan Love was doing, and he knew that play was coming. And I definitely think that Nixon knows that a man-to-man play is coming. I'm not sure. Look, the Chiefs switch their signals every week. Um, so I'd be a little bit surprised if he knew that exact, exact play was coming. Um, but, you know, I mean, Patrick Mahomes certainly needs to watch that interview and determine that he's got to switch up his signs because I do think quarterbacks get a little comfortable with the way things are going, especially in offense that's, that's trying to already – get everyone on the same page. He knew enough, certainly, not to get caught up in the wash there and the rub, and he stayed above it. Uh, that was the key to the to me def- defending that play was uh, staying above it. So 
Um, is there anything about the, the, the final possession uh, that the officials had that, that we need to comment on? They missed the they missed the pass interference on MVS. They probably missed the, you know, MVS getting out of bounds. Clock should have continued to run. Um, they got the call right on, um, you know, on the on the rice uh, fumble return. The, the replay helped them there. I don't I don't know. It, it's uh, I always thought thought of the you know calling calling out officials a loser's lament. So, um, but is there anything worth taking away? It certainly got a lot of attention the next day from non-Chiefs fans, yeah. um, news news people or whatever we want to call them, uh, sports opinion folks, that um, at least the, the, the pass interference should have been called. I don't, I'm not sure I know the takeaway per se. I All of us have heard plenty or seen plenty on social media about, you know, the notion that the Chiefs get the calls, right? And I I guess the one, the one thought I have about it really is that I think it uh, it's a reminder that it's equal opportunity for uh, missed calls um, in in the NFL. It's just how it is. Um, I you guys may or may not agree. I can't remember if we we all went back and forth on this, but like it, the the uh, Owens on Mahomes hit to me, I I could see that either way. But I it it struck me as just a bang bang call that it you know you're just not. Nothing seemed 100% right or wrong to me on that call, just sort of what they went with and Chiefs benefited from it. But I I still am sort of slack-jawed over how egregious that missed call was on the MBS. It was just in the most plain view, the most over-the-top, literally, type of penalty. I, and I, that, I just don't get that, that something that obvious can just be like, yeah, next play. That, that that so I mean too bad for the Chiefs in this case I, the Chiefs certainly have benefited from some calls I'm no doubt about it but the ones that really get you are the ones that you know you just are baffling about how they could be overlooked. It does take away some of the discussion about the rest of the game, which I think is a shame because you know if even the Chiefs get at the five yard line they've got to score and then they got to get the two point conversion which they already failed with and then oh by the way if the Packers got the coin toss if they didn't score within the final two minutes, and then they got the point toss. We had no evidence that the Chiefs' defense was going to stop the Packers. So I think it takes away a little bit of that. But I, I think I, I'm with Sam. I was really admiring Patrick Mahomes' comments on here because I think he sees this the right way. But you talk about what the takeaway is here. I mean, things are going to happen in a game. You kind of just take the officiating with it, which is you can't control that aspect. Patrick Mahomes goes back on film and sees if he leads – Mark Wesvalis scantling seven more yards on that pass. It's a touchdown. And you don't have to worry about the officials. MVS was wide open on that play. And so that's where Mahomes' mind is here. He's like, I got to find the back shoulder throw on Sky Moore. If that happens and the pick doesn't happen, this game is different. I got to throw that ball seven yards further to MVS. If that happens, he can't jump on his back because MVS is running in the end zone with the football. So that's really, I think, the right way to handle this. It's sort of the process over the result. And Mahomes seems a very process-oriented person. So those are the things that he and the Chiefs have to get fixed. And I'm with Sam. I was very impressed by his his comments after the game because that's where the Chiefs need to be to get better every single week and put themselves in contention to have the results at the end of the year that they potentially want. And I'll just you know underscore the point that I I, I think that that answer was so good on so many levels because it it spoke to not only this the the actual reality of the situation. It was kind of a sporting answer too, but it. More to your point, Jesse, I mean, it really was about what you can control, how you should look at that, that, and 
realize that officiating mistakes are, you know, they're part of the game and you can't play. I think I can't remember Patrick used the term exactly this way, but you can't be playing for the flag, even though I'm sure there are instances where the chiefs are playing for the flag. But I, I think the point is philosophically, you have to own it. What could we do? What could we have done? And he almost unerringly always makes that point one way or another in, in his accountability when he talks to us after these games. Hey, what it was also true, and Sam, you you discovered this uh, late in the second quarter of just before halftime Sunday night. It had been almost six quarters since the Chiefs' opponent had gotten a, a penalty. Um, Chiefs had gotten I don't know six or eights in, in that time, and uh, until I think there was a false start uh, by the Raiders or just a small penalty yeah. that had been. It was the first time that a an opponent had been flagged. Yeah, and I, I haven't gone back and looked at it, but I'm kind of curious when the last one that was like during the play was. I think it was that fourth quarter call on uh, the guy holding George Carl Loftus. Like the rest was just, you know, false starts a pre snap penalty, right? Yep. Um, but uh, I, I do think I, 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 Mahomes would not admit this, but he throws the ball deep in the exact same situation to Marquez Valdez Scantling late in Philadelphia. It's probably half a step too far. And so Marquez has to reach out to and absolutely has to catch the ball. But if it's a half a step shorter, it's a really, really, really easy catch. And look, the NFL has become to where one of the most valuable throws in the game is the underthrown deep ball because the guy's just going to run into you and he's got nowhere to go. And like I said, I, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to come away from this publicly saying, I just got to make the exact perfect throw that I need to make. But I do wonder if he thinks to himself in that situation, if you miss it, miss short, because your receiver didn't catch it the last time you missed just a tick deep. And, uh, you know, a, a penalty is often the result when your guy has a, a guy beat deep and you throw it short. OK, let's get out of here on on this. The Buffalo Bills come to town and we've known it's been a terrific series the last five years or so with uh maybe less than that meeting in the playoffs twice and buffalo winning at arrowhead the last two times they played here i think it's a desperate buffalo team coming in at six and six their their playoff hopes are on the line this is a a team we all fought uh in the preseason probably was the chief's biggest competitor for for the afc top seed and now they're a bit of a wounded animal coming in. What what do we make of the Bills? And and when they're at their – I'm of the belief that when all these teams are at their best, the Bills are maybe as good as there is in football, just hasn't gone their way. They've had injuries, uh, especially on the defensive side, they've had to deal with, and that's that has slowed them down. But I don't know. You guys with me on this? That um, tough, tough task for the Chiefs, and Bills entirely capable of of keeping the Chiefs reeling at least for a week. I'm I'm certainly with you on the mindset aspect of this. I mean, I do think desperate's a great word for how we might view the Bills. I don't know if the Chiefs feel desperate, and I I kind of wonder if they need to. I this has to be a game of urgency for the Chiefs. Um, and even if it is a game of urgency for the Chiefs, I I don't really know what their capacity is right now. I think they're still they're looking for something they don't have. Um, maybe they can find it against Buffalo. I think underratedly, this is maybe one of the games of the season. I'm really looking forward to it. Chiefs-Bills never seems to disappoint at Arrowhead. 
you know, I was looking at some of the advanced like power rankings out there and they still love the Bills. I mean, this is a, still a really good Bills team, even though they've lost all these close games. And uh, one of the power rankings I looked at, Kevin Cole, you sort for Pro Football Focus. He had he has his power rankings Bills second this week and the Chiefs third. Um, and it's it's weird to say this, but like if the Chiefs somehow come back here and, and it's still potentially out there, but come back and get the number one seed and play at home, they're what? They're three point favorites in this game. They might not be less than three point favorites against any team they would face in the playoffs in the AFC. So I think this is going to be a great one, guys. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And again, the Chiefs coming off a loss adds a little bit of juice. You talked about the Bills being desperate, Blair. So, um, and we look, we just got to go back to 13 seconds. The year before that, Josh Allen um, and came in and they beat the Chiefs pretty good at Arrowhead. So these have usually been uh, very competitive Bills teams that walk into Arrowhead. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. I think it'll be a great one. And uh, the, the way the two teams or trajectories are coming in kind of adds some intrigue to it as well. Yeah, just an overall note on the final month. I mean, I, I think the Chiefs had the most sneaky, difficult schedule remaining. The strength of schedule wise, which is based purely on record, they actually have the easiest schedule remaining in the AFC. I don't think anybody should look at the schedule they have and think that they have the easiest schedule remaining because the Bills are much better than their record is. The Chargers always give them problem. And then Blair lets you close this out because the other piece of this is what you wrote about this week. You know, the Bills are off a bye. They're the latest team that has this rest advantage against the Chiefs. Yeah, I throw the Bengals in there too. We saw what they did last night, uh, winning at Jacksonville. And we'll see what the Jaguar situation is with Trevor Lawrence as he limped off the field in the in the fourth quarter. So, all right, as always, a great conversation with Vahe Gregorian, Jesse Newell, and Sam McDowell. Guys, we will talk again soon. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks to Monty Davis for producing the show and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell, and Jesse Newell for sharing their insights. Every morning, I am amazed at the depth of coverage in the morning sports edition. It's often 40 to 50 pages of the best daily digital sports section going. Chiefs, KU, Mizzou, Royals, K-State, Sporting, Current, you name it, it is in there along with the national and international sports news. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Hey, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC where we talk sports in and around Kansas City.